0: Well, this morning we are continuing in our uh, six-part series entitled, What Do We Believe? And and that is the question that I would like for you to be asking as we go through the series. What is it that I personally believe? What is it that I have been taught in the past? What is it that I'm being taught in the present? How can I make myself available to the Spirit of God dwelling in me to learn for the present? So we're, we're focusing this uh, series on the Apostles' Creed, and we're looking at this as being something that guides us along our path. So let me just uh, see, let me test you. Can I test you for a second? Those of you who have been here the last few weeks, the last three weeks, uh, let me just test you. Uh, we, we, this is something I really want you to take home with you, so if, you have, if you're a guest here today, I encourage you to write this down. If you've been present for the last two weeks and you don't know this, I invite you to write this down. I'm just seeing if you're with me. So here are the things I, I want to talk about. Uh, we, we talk about the Apostles' Creed. We talk about a creed. What is a creed? What is the purpose of a creed? I just wanted to give you a quick test today. See if you can um, pull it out with me today. So there are the D to the third power. D. The letter D, like dog, D to the third power. The first D stands for what? I'm not a very good teacher. No. The first one is define. So we we need to define what we believe. That's what the Apostle Creed does. It defines for us what we believe. The second D stands for what? Defend. Defend. Thank you for giving them the answers. So, did you just put that up there or were they just they couldn't read? Okay, so we talk about defend. What are we defending? We're defending our faith. Here's the reality of our lives today, that the world in which we live, a significant portion of the world in which we live is trying to trip us up in our faith. So we need to know how to defend our faith. And if we know what our faith is defined by, we will be able to defend our faith. The last part is we need to be able to declare, the third D. Declare. We need to declare to the world, to declare to our family and friends what it is that we believe. Now, I'm not talking about staying on the street corner, although for some of us that may not be a bad idea. But I am saying, how do you learn how to declare your faith within the community of people that you find yourself living? So how do you define it? How do you defend it? How do you declare it? So the Apostles' Creed came to us about the year 140 A.D., It was first used in baptismal services. The people being baptized uh, would have to be able to repeat the Apostles' Creed and be able to show why they know it and why it's true. And then, uh, so then about the ninth century, it started being used in what's called ordinary worship, what we're doing here this morning. So uh, we first said, the first part of our uh, statement that we looked at says, I believe in Jesus Christ. And, and in, that, in, the, in that sermon I talked about, I believe that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is the Savior of the world. Last week I spoke about, I believe, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is God with us. That before Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he said, there will be a paraclete, there will be an advocate who will be with you. Who will constantly be your, uh, God's representative in your life, part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then then we talked about God being uh, the, the, the power in our lives, that we cannot walk through this world without God's power resting on our hearts, our minds, and our soul. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about how is it that we can say we believe in the forgiveness of sins. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. I love the story by Ernest Hemingway uh, about a father and son who had just had this tremendous uh, battle in their lives for a very long time. Uh, and, and so finally, the son said, I'm out of here. I'm going to run away. And, and he did. And, and the father looked for him everywhere he knew to look. Could never find his son. So finally, in his desperation, he, 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 he took out an entire page of the local newspaper and, and he simply said, Dear Paco, please meet me at noon in the city square on Sunday. All is forgiven, your father. And Sunday noon comes and there are 800 Pacos in the city square, all looking for forgiveness from their father. See, the, the reality for our lives is that every single one of us are in need of forgiveness. We need forgiveness from God Almighty. We need forgiveness from one another. But I believe that it starts when we literally pour ourselves out to God and say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. So I wanted to share with you in these next few minutes uh, what it could be like, what it could feel like uh, for us to come in and literally take that which is holding us in bondage of one way or another, whether it be body, mind, or spirit. And how is it that we can present that, what it is in in your soul this very moment, And I want you to be thinking about that. What is it in your soul, this very moment, that is holding you in one form of bondage or another? And how is it that you can experience uh, this very moment, as we sit here today, a sense of release and joy that comes when we surrender our lives to Christ? And we simply say, I confess my sins. I love this text from First John, uh, chapter one, verse nine. It says, "If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." So, uh, many of you who have uh, been a part of our congregation for quite some time now know that um, uh, I am a tremendous artist. Uh, I, I, I. I just wanted to remind those of you who are laughing that I have sold my artwork for literally thousands of dollars. I did, literally. It was a fundraiser and people had pity on me. But I wanted to say, this is as good as the artwork gets for me. But I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about how we can look at the power of sin uh, would, would you all agree with me that there is power in sin today? Would you agree with me? Now listen to these two verses. I want to talk, if, you, if you're new, take out those sheets inside your uh, bulletins, inside your programs, and take that out. You'll need it for two reasons today. You, you might want to fill in some of these words. The first is this, uh, the problem of sin. We all have that problem. Hear these two verses from Paul, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, each and every single one of us. Or from 1 John 1, 8, which Robert read earlier in the service. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Well, I, I, I'd like to say that I think God has a plan that will cleanse us from our sin. And it begins right here. See, I, I simply love this image. This is, this is you, Okay? it looks like you right um ben it looks like you especially without the hair um, but but i simply say i i love this i love this text where it says that you and i are created wonderfully and beautifully created in the image of god are there any better words than that you as you sit here this very moment you are created wonderfully created beautifully created in the image of God. And God wants you to just have this experience with God as, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God wants us to, to hold on to the qualities of God that we normally attribute to women, the mother. And, and I look at that and I say, God, I, I want to experience the, the female side of God. Now Don't go crazy with me. Uh, but, but I'm just simply saying that we sometimes only look at the masculine side of God. I think we need to look at the, the fullness of God, and, and that God holds me tight like my mother used to hold me. I love that image. But I, I look at this image of God uh, and, and of us and I say, wow, you are made. You are made in the image of God. So as we're, image, as we're created in the image of God, I simply say that I think that we also have a target that we're supposed to be moving to. God is saying, I want you to be moving in a certain direction. And and so we we talk in the scriptures constantly about a target for God, that we're moving closer and closer to God with everything that we say, everything that we do. And the benefits of moving towards God is simply this, is that we have this experience of God's hope, God's love, God's joy, and God's peace falling down on us. And we get to experience this as the gift of God. Now, in order to do that, there's a decision that you and I need to make. And that decision is that we have to be aiming our lives towards the target. We need to be aiming our lives towards the target. And my question to you now is, are you aiming your life towards the target of living your life in oneness with God, in the presence of God, so that you can experience the fullness of God's love? Because there it is. How many of you want hope in your lives? How many of you want love? How many of you want joy? How many you want peace? This is what God wants for us. And so you and I have to make an intentional decision to be focused on that. Now, there's something that has come along. And this happened back in the, the, at the first fall of humanity. And, 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 it, and, it, and it's simply the human condition without God. And, and, and that human condition without God, uh, when, Adam, when, when Eve and Adam uh, chose to eat the fruit from the, from the tree, that human condition that we have a tendency to, to, to miss the mark of Christ, to move our aim away from Christ, we have a tendency towards this human condition. Now, I thought about asking you to give me some examples of that, but uh, that would mean that you probably are feeling what you're saying, so uh, I didn't want to... Uh, didn't want to embarrass anybody, so let me just uh, give you a few. I think that one of the first things that happens is uh, that there's a sense of lying that is okay in this world in which you and I lived. Do you, do you, do you, all, do you all feel that? Uh, that no matter where we are in this world, and I won't talk about where we see it primarily. I've been asked by my wife not to make that comment again. but So I won't make the comment again, but I'll just kind of let you think about what I'm thinking right now. So osmosis, you got it, right? So, but, but we have a tendency to believe that lying is okay. If I talk to the businessmen and businesswomen in this congregation right now, I dare say that you would tell me that you have people that you relate to that are lying in your contracts, in your covenants. So we have a tendency of lying. The second one that I thought about was cheating. We, we, we have a tendency to think that cheating is fine, that cheating is something that's, that's you know, I'm not going to I'm just going to tell a white lie, and I'm just going to tell a little white cheating story. And cheating's okay. You know, uh, cheating occurs, probably the easiest story for me to tell about cheating is uh, when it comes about the time of April the 15th. And you just some of you are just now getting that. Do I need to be more specific with you? Okay, so what we do is is that on April the 14th, when we're finishing up those taxes, is that we come up to the line and we say, okay, I'm going to get right there, but I'm not going to go over the line. I'm just going to get my foot near the line. But the tendency is that sometimes we have a little tendency of going over the line. We cheat, we lie. How How about this one? I'm sure that nobody in here. Got it? ever feels this one, stealing? We never steal, do we? Or what about this one? Let's try this. There we go. Our mouths. I, 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 I won't go any farther there. All of us are such, we, 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 none of us in this room have ever told, um, have ever gossiped, right? I'll let it go with that. So, so what, what happens is that um, there's a word, a Latin, a Greek word actually, it's harmatia. And harmatia simply says that when we're living our lives, we simply miss the mark. We simply miss the mark. And, and, and so that's what happens in our lives. We miss the mark. Now, what would happen if you and I decided that we're going to cross out this human condition? What would happen if you and I decided that what we want to do more than anything else is that we want to take our lives and we want to be able to shoot our lives towards God Almighty and say, this is who we want to be, this is where we want to go, we want nothing to get in our way, we don't want to steal, we don't want to cheat, we don't want to lie, we don't want to do all this, that, all that distracts us and moves us away from, from being in the center of God's presence for our lives. And so there's something, there's a gift here. In that gift, let me just invite you to listen to this text. It's from 1 John 1, verse 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now listen to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned and make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. There's a real desire on God's part. It's why he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what perish but have eternal life. And Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And here's the word I want you to write down. It is simply the word confess. I hate to say this, but I'm going, to, I'm going to risk saying this because I believe it's true. For those of you... For the reality is that the vast majority of us gathered in this room and watching at home, the last time you confessed your sin was when you were in worship last week or the last time you were in worship. And see, we believe that confession is a major, significant aspect of of who we are as the body of Christ. But it also doesn't just stop here. When was the last time you said, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against your perfect will? What was it that you, that was in your heart and your mind and your soul, what was it that you needed to confess? Is it a thought? Is it an action? And, and, And so I want you right now to pull out those teaching notes because on every teaching note there is a sticky note on it. And I'm going to ask you right now to, to, to do something that um, some of you, this may make some of you uncomfortable. Uh, you may not be, feel free to, to write down uh, your sin, that which you want to confess because uh, the person is, is next to you. But I, I simply want to ask you to, 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 if you can, take a pen in front of you, take the pencil in front of you, and on the sticky side of the note, so you can fold it over, and so nobody can see inside when you finish writing. But on the sticky side, I just simply want you to write down a confession. Lord, I confess this. Lord, I confess that. I just want to. I don't want to just preach about. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. I want you to experience it. So will you write now is, I'm going to ask Joe just to play a little bit behind and just simply write, Lord, I confess my sin. And after you do that, then I'm, we're going, to, I'm going to ask the ushers to come back and present the offering plates again. And this time you're going to place your, your notes in the offering plate. And then Pastor Robert and I are going to take them up on the altar and we're going to pray for our act of confession. So just write it down right now. What is it that you want to confess? Because God is listening. God is watching. God wants to be your companion right now.